Welcome to the Hemlock Podcast on NPR, broadcasting on underground radio for fear for our very lives. Donald Trump, Nazi fascist, totalitarian Nazi fascist, is still the president of the United States. Despite the results of a completely free and fair election, which had absolutely no irregularities or fraud of any sort, he seized the Capitol by force, employing the National Guard as stormtroopers, and ruthlessly murdered all the dissenters protesting in favor of Joe Biden. The young, spry, intelligent, cogent, coherent, elegant choice of the public, who clearly maintains all of his faculties. Should any of us be surprised? Trump, since the very beginning of his fascistic presidency, has been jailing and murdering journalists, political dissidents. He shut down all major contrarian news organizations, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Slate, Vice, CNN, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, The Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, any news outlets or social media organization that showed any resistance. Like any other dictator, Nazi fascist dictator, totalitarian dictator, he shut them down ruthlessly, jailing most of the top executives and murdering the rest at a firing wall he erected at the Capitol. After seizing control, he began rounding up everyone who had ever been mean to him on Twitter and proceeded to execute them live on the one mainstream news channel that remained loyal to him, Fox News, before he promptly executed all of their top executives for declaring Florida for the Democrats during their election night coverage because they are so right-wing, they biasly declared one of the most going Republican states in favor of the Democrats because they're so biased towards Republicans. They're so right-wing, they're, wait, what? Sorry, my cognitive dissonance is acting up again. Anyways, please remember to like, comment, subscribe, comment, share, comment, favorite, comment, and give me a sweet farewell kiss before and after commenting. Because being this left wing under a fascist dictator, Nazi dictator, totalitarian dictator, fascist Nazi, who violently ignored the results of a totally free and fair election trademark, I'm already not sure how I've survived this long. And who knows how long I'll survive if Trump is actually the kind of Nazi fascist who would do all that. Right? Welcome back, everybody, to episode five of the Hemlock Podcast. Um, it's been a while. It's been a couple months, but we have some exciting news. Uh, these are going to be coming out every Friday now. There's going to be a new episode of the Hemlock Podcast every Friday for the rest of your life. So <laughs> um, I'm really excited about that. I know it's been a it's been a couple months since the last one. I kind of been doing them like whenever I feel like whenever I think the the news warrants it. Uh, but yeah, we're moving to an every Friday release schedule. So look forward to that. Make sure you're subscribed everywhere. Um, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a five to a five star rating on iTunes, please. <laughs> Podcast because we got wrecked by some some haters <laughs> early on in the ratings there. So if you can leave a leave us a five star rating there, that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're gonna be on TikTok at Hamlock Podcast. We're gonna be putting out short little clips. Um, get me on Twitter. 
all that kind of stuff. Hemlock Podcast everywhere. Most importantly, locals.com. We're going to be at hemlockpodcast.locals.com. That's where you can join the community and become a financial supporter if you want to. You don't have to become a financial supporter, but joining the community is huge. If you don't have that app, it's like an app by Dave Rubin specifically geared towards like free speech for like having opinions that are likely to get you banned by the woke mob lately. Uh, you can jump on locals.com. Um, we actually need a community of at least a hundred people to upload full length episodes of the podcast on locals.com. So the faster we get there, the faster I can get, like get better content, provide better content for like financial supporters and paid subscribers. That like means a ton to my wife and I, and I would super appreciate that. So yeah. Um, Got a fun episode planned for you today. We're going to be going over, um, I want to draw a through line. So because it's been a couple months since we've talked to each other, <laughs> um, I want to draw a through line kind of from uh, the election shenanigans all the way through. Um, I want to draw a through line kind of all the way through like the craziness of COVID and BLM last summer, fall to like the election to the whole election fraud debacle uh, to January 6th, like this, uh, the, insur the insurrection, um, to all the way to the present, actually. I kind of want to draw a through line all the way through that. So it's going to be a really interesting episode, I think. Um, I mean, I think. Hopefully you will think too. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so give it a listen and let me know what you think about this in the comments of either iTunes, YouTube, Instagram, wherever you see this, uh, leave us a comment because I want to hear your voice. I'm going to be featuring, this should be fun. I'm going to go through a bunch of the YouTube comments. Like I said, the haters found us early. So uh, not just, not, not sorry, not just haters, people who had like legitimate arguments. And that, I really appreciate those people. There are some people who are just like going off and being really rude and hateful and whatever. Um, but I really appreciate the people who have like given legitimate arguments and that's the kind of dialogue i want to, i want to be having with people right so i'm going to address some of those later on moving forward um we're going to get to a point where those comments like uh, addressing comments from from people will only be available to paid subscribers so go ahead and get ahead of the curve go to hemlockpodcast.locals.com you get to see all the fun stuff because i think the comment interactions are kind of the fun thing so make sure to do that um also make sure as always to click the link below to get yourself uh to get yourself a great chunk of money off of a good food box my wife and i have tried every subscription food box under the sun where we are good food is the best one there is period um they're not even paying me to say that. It's just how many people sign up, right? So um, uh, they're just awesome and their food's awesome. So go subscribe, get some money off of your first box there. They're great. Okay, so let's go on a journey together. I want to kind of draw a through line, like I said, starting around last summer, fall, all the way to the present. Um, kind of all the craziness that has happened since then, whether it's COVID or elections or basically everything I've been talking about since this whole thing started. Um, and I want to draw it back. This whole thing, this whole podcast is called the Hemlock Podcast because that's a Socratic reference going back to Socrates and early philosophy. Um, I want to go a little deeper than just like the news of the day, the news cycle, right? So I kind of want to tie this all together and go back to kind of some founding principles that I think are really relevant through the whole scenario. So let me do this. Let me talk about federalism. Um, and I'll explain why that's relevant in a sec, but Federalism is basically, it's a, it's a principle um, primarily focused on by the United States and their founding. Federalism is the principle that like you have a central government, right, which is like the federal government. Um, so it's in the U.S., it's, it's 
uh, the three branches, right? It's the executive, the legislative, and the judicial, right? And in Canada, you have basically kind of the equivalent things in Canada, right? So you have the prime minister um, and the parliament and all that stuff, right? So federalism is like you have a central government, but then you also have states, or in Canada, we have provinces. I'm going to leave Canada out of this. I try to usually relate to Canada because I'm from Canada, but basically what federalism is in the states is that you have the central government, then you have the states. So that there's limited powers for the central government, but then a lot of the a lot of the power, a lot of the legislation, uh, a lot of the the laws uh, are left to the states, right? Each of those states is kind of like their own independent thing. That's the idea. So federalism is leaving as little as possible to the federal government and having more and more delegated to the states. Which what that means is if you do the math on that, right? The more you can cater to people on a local level, the more people get looked after numerically right? Um, Because you have a majority in the town and then a majority uh, in the county and then a majority in the state and then a majority in the country, right? So if you have majorities at all levels, more people are looked after than just a majority at a federal level because mathematically that doesn't filter through all the levels, right? Um, Without getting too into the weeds on that, (laughs) basically. But it's a really old concept and it was really, it was carefully considered by the founders of the U.S., right? So you have, let me read you a quote by Alexander Hamilton. Uh, This balance between the national and state governments ought to be dwelt on with peculiar attention, as it is of the utmost importance. It forms a double security to the people. If one encroaches on their rights, they will find a powerful protection in the other. Indeed, they will both be prevented from overpassing their constitutional limits by a certain rivalship, which will ever subsist between them. So basically that saying is if the federal government is encroaching on people's rights, the state government can fight them and vice versa, right? So it's a really important thing and it caters more at a local level, which is always the best, right? The more local you can have a government, the more it can cater to the needs in that locality, right? That's one of the problems I have with with a lot of people who lean to the left these days is that they, they wanna do everything at a federal level and that totally just like tramples on rights throughout the entire country, right? The middle the middle of Ohio is very different from the coasts of California. In Canada, right, the prairies of Saskatchewan have very different people and very different values and very different ways of living than than the middle of Toronto, right? Or or the coast of Vancouver, right? Um, those are very different types of people, the very different types of living and agriculture and economies and all that stuff. So if you have a central government over in Ottawa in Canada or in Washington in the States dictating legislation and laws and lifestyles and economic decisions for the entire country writ large, um, you just have way more people getting left out, way more people feeling disenfranchised um, and a way more useless government right at all levels. So that's kind of the that's kind of the benefit of federalism. I'll leave you, I'll leave you with one more quote. Um, this is from Lord Acton. Federalism is the best curb on democracy. It assigns limited powers to the central government, thereby all power is limited. It excludes absolute power of the majority, right? That's exactly that exactly sums up what I just said, right? Is that it's called the tyranny of the majority. Pure democracy at a federal level leaves out a lot of people when you get down through the levels of locality, right? Um, So it's a really important concept. So what I wanted to kind of go through is that this is something Donald Trump was accused of was, and this goes back to kind of the, 
not to explain the intro because I don't want to explain the comedy because that's annoying. <laughs> um, to more more to you than to me. Um, <laughs> um, but over and over and over again, you hear throughout Donald, and I'm not even like a <laughs> like again. I like a lot of what Donald Trump does. I'm not the kind of guy to defend Donald Trump, but it's uh, it's it's more. It more exposes the flaws of leftist thinking uh, than says anything about me that I have to, I'm left in the position of defending Donald Trump, right? Um, because throughout his entire presidency, you have, uh, and Gina Carano from The Mandalorian just lost her job over making a Holocaust comparison. Um, she's no longer on The Mandalorian because she leans conservative and made some kind of Jewish. It, it actually was pretty innocuous. She basically said like, Oh yeah, uh, when you start to dehumanize people, like a lot of people do to conservatives these days, happened to me already, we're on episode five. Um, um, when you dehumanize people for their opinions or for their like religious or political beliefs, uh, it can go to really dark places sometimes like it happened in the Holocaust with the Jews, right? And uh, and that was basically the extent of her comparison is pretty innocuous. Um, I even know of Jewish people who like completely were not offended by that, right? It's like, yeah, fair. When you dehumanize people, it goes to dark places sometimes. That was it. Uh, and she's no longer on The Mandalorian. She got fired from Disney um, for that tweet, right? So um, basically what I'm trying to say is that um, basically she, she got fired for making this pretty innocuous Holocaust comparison, uh, whereas you had the left calling Donald Trump uh, a Hitler, like Hitler and a Nazi and a fascist for the entirety of his presidency, right? And uh, and that was mainstream. That was like you're not you're not gonna lose your job over calling Donald Trump a fascist. That's that's the thing to do these days, right? Eminem was doing it. Eminem is supposed to be Eminem is supposed to be like the most countercultural. Eminem has said some of the craziest stuff. Ever you look at his, especially his early stuff, it's like horrendously violent and disgusting. Um, and even he was making fun of Donald Trump, so it's like it's not the counterculture thing to do to make fun of Donald Trump, anyways. That literally, anyways. Um, <laughs> but the left has been doing that for four years, uh, and they canceled Gina Carino over it for like doing it once, but they've been doing it for like themselves for four years, so. <sighs> So the left, the woke, get away with doing that for four years, um, calling Trump a Hitler and a Nazi and a fascist. But here's the thing. If he was, and, and let me be very, very straightforward, I'd be the first to call him out if I thought he showed fascistic tendencies, right? I have grandparents that were kicked off of their land by the Nazis, right? I'm not a Nazi sympathizer in the slightest, despite what morons on in my Twitter comments will tell you. Um, Donald Trump, especially last year, so during COVID and BLM, right? So considering what federalism means, then he's actually a fan. Donald Trump's an outspoken fan of federalism, right? Um uh, even though he maybe never used the word in practice, he did, right? So it's like with COVID, for example, you literally had Democrat-run states talking about why isn't the federal government taking more control and, like, why is the federal government not doing a better job at COVID and, like, why are they not giving us more vaccines and giving us more of this and giving us more of this and giving us more of this? And I'm an entitled Democrat politician, um, and it's the federal government's fault that I have a terribly run state i'm not prepared at all for any of this and i'm a crappy governor 
crappy mayor that has done nothing to prepare for anything like this. And the fact that the federal government isn't seizing more control in my state or city is the federal government's fault. So so Donald Trump, the fascist dictator who could have used COVID as an excuse to like, no, we're going to like, we're going to go in, we're going to seize a ton of control, we're going to take over these states and their medical responses to COVID, um, and we're just going to take over this whole show. He didn't do that. He did not do that. He's like, nope, New York, you do your own thing. Florida, you do your own thing. California, you do your own thing. We're going to provide guidance. We're going to provide support. We're going to provide subsidy programs to get this vaccine rolled out quickly. And they, they got it done in less than a year, which is a medical miracle because of like government subsidies incentivizing that, right? Um, and so COVID was a massive opportunity for this apparently Nazi fascist totalitarian dictator to take massive control in the U.S., uh, in the states, and he didn't. He maintained federalism. He maintained state control, right? Rather than becoming more fascistic and grabbing more and more power, which a dictator would do in that scenario very easily. Uh, <laughs> people on the opposite side of the political aisle were begging him to do it and then blaming him for not doing it. Uh, he didn't. He left it to the states. BLM was the other one. BLM and Antifa, um, which if you're not politically if you're not into politics um you may have heard that blm and antifa are like antifa means anti-fascist so they're the good guys <laughs> right so it's like which is the most simplistic moronic way to look at antifa uh antifa is like a bunch of yeah, a bunch of college kids whose mothers didn't love them enough that want to fight for something they have no um to me actually this have to think this goes down to like a spiritual level um these people are so secular and godless and have no, like, I think humans are wired to look for, like, a cosmic battle to fight for, and they have none. They've been raised so secular and so godless, literally, um, that th th they come from a really good place. But we've been told since centuries that centuries ago that the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm an anti-racist, and I'm an anti-fascist, and and I, I'm doing a good thing, and I'm a, I'm a rebel, I'm a revolutionary. And like, but these are, what this amounts to is these moronic, ill-informed, um, prejudiced college students running around uh, fighting for causes that don't exist, have no credibility, and, and they're burning down cities and beating the crap out of people uh, for nothing, for nothing. Um, and that was happening all summer last year, the Black Lives Matter Antifa riots in Portland and in California and Seattle and Kenosha and blah, 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 blah. And I've done, I've done an episode on the whole Black Lives Matter thing. Um, and so you... Like, y'all know my opinion on that. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen. I think it's episode two. Um, I break all that stuff down. But again, regardless of what those, regardless of where you come down on what the, like, the validity of the cause of BLM um, or, or the riots by Antifa. And by the way, they're still rioting after Biden got in because even he's not good enough for them. And I don't blame them for that. But, anyways, point proven. <laughs> so, um, Regardless of what you feel about their causes, the fact is they were literally burning crap down in cities for months and months and months. There was like night after night after night, especially Portland, was it was endless rioting. They were setting fire to court buildings and blah, 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 like lighting cars on fire, throwing chairs through Starbucks windows, all this kind of stuff for months, for months. And you can look it up if you don't believe me, right? Again, 
If I wasn't telling the truth, I wouldn't tell you to do your own research. Do your own research. Look it up. You can find it anywhere. Um, extremely violent. Uh, riots everywhere. If that were the case, right, whether or not you believe in their cause, is that, yes or no, an excuse for a fascist dictator to just send in National Guard immediately and take control of that state or that city under federal control? If Trump was Hitler... And he had a bunch of people that were like violently protesting him. Would Hitler have not just quashed that immediately? If you don't think so, you're historically illiterate and I can't do anything for you, <laughs> right? Um, um, Trump didn't do that. Trump waited and waited and waited. He actually got criticized by the right for not sending people in earlier because these cities were being torn apart. Uh, people are leaving. You look at like the the stats of people moving from California, uh, are moving out of Portland and stuff. It's insane. People are just evacuating those cities uh, because their their whole defund the police nonsense and these letting these like these like violent activist groups just rampage through the city constantly night after night. Everyone's just leaving them, right? So again, regardless of how you feel about the cause, would a dictator, would a fascist actually have let that gone on for as long as it did or would he have sent in the national guard sent in his stormtroopers sent in the ss or whatever immediately and quash that and take over those cities violently of course he would have and again if you think differently you're historically illiterate so that's the kind of that's the point i'm making is that if trump was everything people were saying he was for four years would he would he not have reacted differently to those scenarios and does him Reacting the way he did not prove you entirely wrong if you think he was a dictator forever. Oh, but Patrick, what about election fraud? And he tried to overturn a free and fair election. No, again, no, he didn't. He first of all, let me let me read you some things here because um, this is the thread I want to tie. So we're moving into the election frauds. So there's BLM and COVID, and Trump's responses to that, and then everyone attacks him for for claiming that the election seems fishy, right? Claiming that there was fraud in the election. And again, at this point now, there's been not a lot of proof of, there's been almost like certain isolated cases and stuff. And who knows if there's corruption in certain areas. I don't know how much is true, how much is not true. It's incredibly difficult to tell, right? Um, hasn't been a lot of conclusive evidence that's come out that shows there were, shows there was fraud, right? And for the YouTube gods that I'm hoping don't ban this video, I'm not claiming there was election fraud. What I'm trying to say is that you have a country who seriously thought there might have been, right? Uh, let me read you some quick stats. Uh, and this is from the Federalist uh, website. And I'll have all the sources listed as I always do. Um, some weird red flags, right? I'm not talking about isolated cases of fraud. I'm saying just looking at the broad picture, it's no wonder that half the country thought there was some, oh, by the way, I think it's like 38% of Democrat voters thought the election was screwed up, <laughs> right? Um, and I can link to that source as well. I'll try to find that. But um, there's a lot, regardless, there's a lot of Democrat voters that thought there was something wrong with the election. This is why, right? Just based on the numbers here uh, from the Federalist, number one, 80 million votes. Holy moly, a lot of Americans turned out for a Washington politician who's been in the office for nearly 50 years. Consider this. No incumbent, pres no incumbent president in nearly a century and a half has gained votes in a re-election campaign and still lost. President Trump gained more than 10 million votes since 2016, since his 2016 victory. But Biden's appeal was so substantial that it overcame President Trump's record support 
among minority vi- among my vo- <laughs> among minority voters. Biden also shattered Barack Obama's own popular vote totals, really calling into question whether it was not perhaps Biden who pulled Obama across the finish lines in 2008 and 2012. So it's like not only did Donald Trump get 10 million more votes than he did in 2016, uh, which has never happened in history, and have that, and then and that president has still lost. Uh, but Joe Biden, who is in a basement for most of the campaign, couldn't get more than 40 people to a campaign event, uh, and was saying stupid racist stuff like if you don't vote for me you ain't you ain't black like his entire campaign um somehow managed to get more votes than obama in the popular vote the first black president ever (laughs) that seems fishy that's one of five let's keep going number two winning despite losing most bellwether counties um, Biden is set to become the first president in 60 years to lose the states of Ohio and Florida on his way to election. For a century, these states have consistently predicted the national outcome, and they have been considered roughly representative of the American melting pot as a whole. Despite national polling giving Biden a lead in both states, because polling is super reliable, as we've learned in the last four or five years, um, he lost Ohio by eight points and Florida by more than three. Um not since the mafia allegedly aided John F. Kennedy in winning Illinois over Richard Nixon in 1960 has an American president pulled off this neat trick. <laughs> um, yeah, and it just goes on. Even more unbelievably, Biden is on his way to winning the White House after having lost almost every historic bellwether county across the country. So bellwether county is just being like, if you win these certain counties, um, you're more than likely to win the presidency. In fact... Trump's margin of victory, so there's basically there's, there's 19 counties that historically have been bellwether counties. So if you win a majority of these bellwether counties, you're getting the presidency. That's just like a statistical proof, right? Um, so President Trump won every single bellwether county except Clallam County in Washington. Um, so whereas the former VP picked up Clallam by about three points, President Trump's margin of victory in the other 18 counties averaged over 16 points. In a larger list of 58 bellwether counties that have correctly picked the presidency since 2000, Trump won 51 of them by an average of 15 points, while the other seven went to Biden by around four. So the bellwether counties, again, massively indicated Trump. Biden still won. Next reason, Biden won despite Democrat losses everywhere else. Uh, So Randy DeSoto noted in the Western Journal that Donald Trump was pretty much the only incumbent president in U.S. history to lose his reelection while his own party gained seats in the House of Representatives. It goes on to like go through like Trump's primary vote and all this stuff. So it's like basically what I'm saying is was there fraud? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there was. And there's actually been evidence of some here and there. Maybe not enough to overturn the entire election. I'm not going to say there was. I'm not just coming along straight down like partisan lines here. I'm not saying the election was stolen. But like, that's enough for a rational person to go, eh, maybe, I don't know. And if you don't think so, if you're like a woke leftist, it goes, ah, perpetuating a false election fraud narrative is violence and you're going to lead to the destruction and, know, of the country and the murder of everybody. Like, like, no, you're dumb. You're dumb. And you're not... You have no idea what the benefit of the doubt or rationality means. So stop it, please, for the love of God and for the love of society. Um, So that leads us to January 6th, right? Which is like the whole 
insurrection thing. Um, because the whole narrative there was like everyone was saying, oh yeah, Donald Trump is perpetuating this election fraud myth, which maybe I could be convinced that's irresponsible. I don't think a lot of Trumps talk about the whole fraud thing. He was very certain. He's like, no, there was definitely fraud and I definitely won this election. I don't know if that's super responsible as the president of the United States um, if you don't have conclusive evidence. Maybe he does. Maybe it hasn't been proven in court. A lot of the courts haven't even looked at it, right? I don't know. Uh, but just saying that kind of stuff can be viewed as irresponsible, for sure. To say he's responsible for what happened on January 6th is insane. It's totally insane. If you watch the videos, first of all, the violence at the Capitol broke out uh, before Trump was even done his speech. So remember, like, the let's all walk down to the Capitol peacefully, which he said directly. Let's do it peacefully. <laughs> um, the violence broke out at the Capitol before he even finished that speech. So, okay, well that rolls out him inciting that riot, right? Um, not to mention the craziness of that riot. And again, looking just looking at the clips, and not a conspiracy theorist, there's a lot of weird stuff that happened at the Capitol riots. You had those videos I've seen that like cops were letting people in, like they're opening up the gates, the barriers, and letting people in to the Capitol. I have no, what the heck, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, but there's some weird, weird stuff going on there. Um, so to say that Trump incited those is is moronic, frankly. Um, yeah, to talk about, so, uh, to talk so confidently about election fraud may be irresponsible. But when you have people like AOC, Kamala Harris is now the vice president of the US, uh, she was openly calling people to donate to the bail funds of violent BLM rioters. So if you have a the sitting vice president now calling for donations to get bail for people who were actively doing violence, right? They're actively like lighting stuff on fire and beating the hell out of people. Um, that's not inciting violence. But Donald Trump going, hey, let's march down peacefully to the Capitol, and then people do that before they he even like finished his speech, and you're going to attribute violence to person A but not person B. You, you're a moron at worst. You're inconsistent and intellectually dishonest at best, right? Um, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's not a consistent standard. It's hypocrisy at its worst, and uh, and that makes no sense. Okay, so we've gone through last summer and fall, BLM and COVID, and if Trump was a fascist, he would have taken way more control if he was actually those things, right? Which he didn't. Um, there was the whole election fraud debacle, which, again, um, may or may not have been a thing, but there was probable cause at least to believe that. And a huge portion of Americans think there was. Um whether or not it was proved or even allowed to be proved in courts is still up for debate, right? Um, but there is reasonable cause to believe that, just as a rational, even down the middle thinker, right? You get to January 6th, Trump is absolutely not responsible for that insurrection thing, which is like a bunch of morons got into the Capitol and they call that an insurrection. And there's still, there's still gates and a bunch of National Guard around the Capitol now uh, because some half-naked moron with horns got into the Capitol building. <laughs> anyway, it's a bunch of like, I don't know. Anyway, it's a bunch of like QAnon morons, which is like, there's maybe 14 of them. I don't like, that's the thing too. They keep trying to call all, a lot of this was just like the left trying to, trying to, paint 
the conservative side of the aisle with a broad brush and go, okay, they're all QAnon conspiracy theorists. They're all insurrectionists. They're all violent racists. It's the classic, like, they're all racist, bigot, homophobe, bigot, homophobe, racist. Like, like that's it's the classic thing is where, like, 200 people, maybe more, whatever, whoever, however many people broke in, I don't know, um, in a country of 330 million people, whatever it is, a couple hundred breaking into the capital is not a huge number. It by no, it in no way represents the conservative movement broadly. But that's what it was trying to be framed as by the left is, oh, these like few hundred people broke into the capital. Uh, and then by the way, everyone on, everyone in the conservative movement decried that, right? There wasn't, a, I saw a bunch of gotchas on Twitter, like, oh, the, the insurrection, blah, blah, blah. There's no gotcha here, right? When there's months of leftist violence coming from BLM and Antifa, you have politicians and the media on the left like endlessly endorsing them and saying their fight is just and blah, 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 blah. Um, it happens one time, supposedly from like right-wing activists, right? Um, a couple hundred of them. Uh, after thousands of people on the opposite side doing the same exact thing. Um, every mainstream conservative will like utterly condemn them, right? There's no gotcha, right? On one side... People riot and do violence, and everyone endorses them. On the other side, people riot and do violence, and everyone supposedly on their side was like, that was totally evil. Like, that's not cool. I ain't about that life. Like, you know what I mean? There's no gotcha. There's no equivalency. The left actively endorsed violence and rioting. The right unequivocally called out violence and rioting. There's no equivalency there. And if you believe there is, or there's hypocrisy there, you're, again, you're uninformed. Learn up. <laughs> and then all that culminates, all that political nonsense, election fraud nonsense, insurrection nonsense, whatever. Um, and you get to this little article written in Time Magazine uh, on February 4th, and it goes, these are just some quotes from it. So you wonder why people thought there was something fishy, something odd about this whole thing, right? This is an article they wrote bragging about the secret cabal that saved the 2020 election, right? Um, a second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempts to reverse the results. Corporate America turned on him. Hundreds of major business leaders, many of whom had backed Trump's candidacy and supported his policies, called on him to concede. To the president, something felt amiss. It was all, it was all very, I don't get to break up Trump very much. It was all very, very strange. Trump said on December 2nd, within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. I don't know how good that is, but whatever. Um, there was a conspiracy <laughs> unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. Here's what I find interesting, right? I have I have some friends um, who kind of style themselves as like socialist revolutionaries, you know, like fighting the man and fighting the system and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you come down on the side of Joe Biden, you're a corporatist chill. Uh, so welcome to reality, right? This is the thing. If you're like fighting against fascism, Donald Trump is the worst and Joe Biden's going to save us all. But the biggest companies in the world are fighting for Joe Biden to get in. Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, these are like, these are trillionaire companies, right? Uh, trillion dollar companies. 
Um, and they're all fighting for Joe Biden. And yet you're like fighting for the little guy, <laughs> fighting against I'm anti-capitalist. And you're like, <laughs> and the biggest companies in the world are shilling for Joe Biden and actively shutting down conservatives on social media. And by the way, oh, I left this out. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't. I put this in the satire at the beginning. But who does the censoring in a, in a dictatorship, right? Does the fascist do the censoring? Yeah, he does, usually, right? If, if there's a dictator in power, he's shutting down people who are saying things against him. And yet it was Donald Trump who got banned from Twitter. Hmm. Okay, so, hmm. Who, wait, who, remind me who the bad guys are again. Are they, are they, the good guys do the censoring, right? That's how Nazi Germany worked? <laughs> right? Hello, wake up. Like, the bad guys do the censoring. The bad guys do the book burning. Dr. Zeus had a bunch of crap. He didn't get canceled because Green Eggs and Ham is still around. There was like six books. One of them referenced like an Eskimo. And so we got to get, we can't have that book because talk, it says Eskimo in it. Like, you talk about this book uh, I want to be talking about in the next episode, uh, Transgenderism, because I made a satire about that last episode. A bunch of people got angry about, at me about it. Um, but uh, there's a book called When Harry Became, Became Sally. When Harry Became Sally. And it's like an actually pretty like sensitive book. It's kind of sensitive to the whole issue. Um, but it's just like rationally discussing the the social ramifications of, of the transgender movement. And Amazon just straight up banned it off of Amazon. Like Amazon's responsible for something like 80 plus percent of book sales today. And they just won't carry it across the entire website, right? They just just vanished it from from Amazon, right? Um, remind me, uh, was it the book burners? Were they the good guys or the bad guys? Right. The the people censoring free free thought and free speech. Were they the good guys or the bad guys? Okay, so if you're the one getting banned off Twitter, and if you're the one having like little BS under your tweet saying, for more information about this, this tweet is disputed, blah, blah, blah. If you're having all that crap happen to you, are you the good guy or the bad guy? Huh. Just stuff to think about, you know? Welcome to the Hemlock Podcast. But just, if anything, I just want to give you stuff to think about, right? I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm, I'm here to hopefully tell you how to think. Because I'm astounded <laughs> at how little thinking there is these days. Um, intellectual consistency is... What does that mean? Like that's a that's a that's a thing of the past, my friends. And some of the stuff that has to come back if we ever want to get back to like a, a functioning society, because we're very quickly losing it. And don't kid yourself that we're not. Um, things like intellectual consistency and logic and uh, compassion. My shirt says, I don't know. It maybe you don't believe me, but my shirt says practice compassion. Compassion literally means co-suffering. They actually break down that word, right? So people say, mm, let's, let's, let's legislate the most compassionate thing um, from their high horse. And they never, they never come close to co-suffering. You look at, <laughs> I want to talk about this. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for this. Meghan Markle <laughs> and Prince Harry. Sorry, Prince, Princess Meghan. I don't know what you call her. Anyways, they did, <laughs> they did an interview with, with Oprah uh, and <laughs> I, saw, 
I saw a bunch of people pitying, pitying Meghan Markle and Prince. Oh my, they've, they've had it so rough. They've, someone asked how dark their baby would be. And, and she had to, she had to learn, she had to learn to curtsy. When she went to meet the queen, which is Harry. But Harry, it's your grandmother. We're not even meeting. I understand if we were meeting in public. But but we're meeting her in private. And I, I have to curtsy? Oh. And, and I, I live in a... I bought a $15 million home in California. And I had a $25 million endowment from the queen. But, but, but I have to learn hymns? And I have to learn the national anthem. And they didn't even give me a coach. They didn't even give me something to learn all this from. I had to, I had to Google it. Oh, my God. And we're pitying her. What are we doing? What, what are we doing? Where, how, how did, how, I, I took a nap and society lost its damn mind. How do we get to the point? Where we're pitying, first of all, if someone actually said, I'm really concerned about how, how dark your baby's going to be. Um, because if, if the baby is too dark, then then we'll probably have to hush it up, darling, because that's unacceptable in the British royal family. If someone said that, that's freaking evil. That shouldn't happen. Mm, I really, I really doubt it happened. I, I just don't believe her. Sorry, I just don't like. If anything, uh, if if Meghan Markle's character throughout the last few years ha have proven everything to me, it's that she's like a narcissistic social ladder climbing uh, jerk uh, who lies about things um, to to advance her social standing. Period. And so, <laughs> and then she goes like, both of them are like, we just want to avoid. We just want to get out of the public spotlight. Right, so the logical step is book an interview with Oprah to escape the public limelight. What? What are we doing? What? They're full of crap. They're full of crap. Harry's full of crap. Megan's full of crap. Probably Oprah's full of crap. I don't know. And by the way, nothing has anything to do with their color. In case you thought that, well, well Oprah's black and Meghan Markle is 25% black. And so he hates black people. That's why he's, no, Harry's white as hell. And he's a moron too. Like, this is just dumb. These are some of the most privileged, wealthy people on earth that tricked us all into pitying them somehow. Over what? Meghan Markle didn't get a coach on how to be a princess because now she's a princess? And even a lot of conservatives are saying she was like a second-rate actor on a second-rate show. I don't even like that. First, by the way, I love Suits. I loved Meghan Markle on Suits. This breaks my heart because I thought she was great. I, I love, like, freaking, oh my goodness, I don't remember what the names are. Loren, what are, uh, Meghan Markle and, uh, what's the name? Patrick, what, I can't remember. What are their names on Suits again, their characters? Rachel and Mike. Thank you. <laughs> um, Rachel and Mike. I'm a huge fan. I freaking love Suits. I love I love Rachel and Mike. Like ship them all day. Like they're awesome, right? Bet. Um, <laughs> I don't even think she's a bad actress. I think, but I, I think she's a bad actress in the Oprah interview. I thought she was. I thought she was great on Suits. I loved her in Suits. Loved Mike and Suits. I love Suits. Anyways, um, so. The fact that they somehow tricked us into into pitying them after she became a pin a princess, like, what are we doing? What, what are we what are we doing? Um, I just don't get it. Um, where was I going with this?
Love them both. I just think it's ridiculous how we got tricked into this because the woke mob wants to convince us that everything is about race and it doesn't, here's the thing, victimhood doesn't mean anything anymore. Privilege doesn't mean anything anymore. And again, if someone actually said that to to, to Rachel, not Rachel, to, to Megan, Megan and Harry, like how dark is your baby gonna be? How dark is your baby going to be? And I'm very concerned about that. If someone actually said that, that's evil, that's gross. And that, you know, I mean, probably name that person rather than just like letting us all speculate about who in the royal family would say something like that. But if that's the case, that's messed up. But the fact that that even is like a big deal coming from one of the most privileged people on planet earth she's literally a part of the royal family now um and that we view her as a victim when we don't view actual victimhood as victimhood so if like if you're a white person who grew up in in the streets and and you're totally broke as hell and you got raised by a drug addict mom with no dad but you're white you're not as much of a victim as Meghan markle who is like less than a quarter black and didn't get a coach provided when she became the princess. <laughs> like, <laughs> like victimhood and privilege are just meaningless words at this point. Um, woke cola. I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, and this will be the last thing I talked about. I, was gonna, I said I was going to get to the YouTube comments and I'm just running out of time. So I'll talk about that next time. That'll be a fun episode. We'll do that. I'll dedicate a whole episode to my YouTube comments, which should be fun, especially after this episode. Um, but, um, Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so basically, and if you don't know this story, uh, it's highly entertaining uh, and terrifically scary. But anyways, um, Coca Cola had a training. This is they've since denounced it to their credit, like removed it from their their LinkedIn stuff, whatever. Uh, they had a training from Robin D'Angelo. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, wrote this book called White Fragility, which maybe you've heard of it. It's actually pretty popular. It's one of the dumbest books that's been written ever. <laughs> um, that basically says like, <laughs> if you're if you're white, you're racist, and if you think you're not racist, that's because you're racist. Uh, and the only way you can become less racist is to listen to me. A white chick, <laughs> which is the most like nonsense circular reasoning I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but that's hey, welcome to twenty twenty one, everybody. Uh, anyways, just lovely, delightful. Uh, but her training <laughs> for Coca Cola literally said, um, uh, "Try to be less white. To be less white is to be less oppressive, be less arrogant." Be less certain, be less defensive, be less ignorant, be more humble, listen, believe, break with apathy, break with white solidarity. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's the most, that's some of the most racist stuff I've ever heard in my life. But anyways, um, so to just assume the opposite, right? To gainsay what she's saying. Uh, it means if you are white, right, you are overly oppressive if you have to be less of all these things obviously you can assume you're overly those things you're overly oppressive if you're white you're overly oppressive you're overly arrogant you're overly certain you're overly defensive you're overly ignorant you're not humble you're not humble enough uh you should listen more believe more would believe what doesn't even say uh you're apathetic and you are aligned with white solidarity. 
for what what first of all what does white solidarity even mean um that's not something i have as a white person is it white solidarity like i've never identified more with white people than people of other colors especially because again race does not matter let me be really clear race does not matter at all it's the most meaningless amount of bs that people try to convince you matters um culture matters right so like race is how long did my ancestors spend way north above the equator or near the equator that's race right welcome to the world welcome to history welcome to science um why does it doesn't it doesn't matter it's stupid it's meaningless it doesn't mean a bloody damn thing what matters is culture right um too often and sometimes you have culture tying itself to race because humans are dumb and we like to divide ourselves by race even though it doesn't matter um culture matters and so I was raised in a culture where I didn't identify with white people because I grew up in a city that was pretty post-racial. I grew up in a pretty post-racial society where I had a lot of brown people, I had a lot of black people, I had a lot of Asian people around me from a very young age. And we all got along fantastically because we were all raised the same way because we all live in a nice Western society that has preached tolerance and freedom and acceptance for decades at this point. Centuries, maybe, if you're haven't been educated by woke leftists, right? Um, culture matters infinitely more than race. Race is meaningless, completely meaningless. And the only reason that Robin D'Angelo is trying to teach you otherwise, and the only solution to your... It's a religion. It's honestly a religion. I want to break this down more in a further episode, I think. But it's like, wokeism is just as much of a religion as anything else. Original sin is you're white and therefore racist, right? Um, absolution can only be done by penance paid to the priests in charge, the woke leftists, right? Um, and by the way, unlike Christianity, where you ask for your repentance and you're forgiven, and receive eternal absolution uh in wokeism there is no absolution it's like even once you've admit once you've admitted you're a racist admitted you're a terrible human being um still gonna get canceled still gonna lose your job whatever uh there's no forgiveness there's no grace there's no system for that in this secular idiotic religion <laughs> so i'll probably side with morgan freeman on this and a, a black man that's a terrible impression a black man i don't know <laughs> um when he, he had an interview where he just said, we'd be better off if we just forgot about all this stuff and stopped talking about it so much. Um, because it's amazing how hard media and mainstream culture had tried to get us all so conscious of race so as to actually get us to become racists by just being way more aware of it than we ever used to be, right? But I'm not having it, right? I've never been and never will be a racist. Never did Jim Crow, never did slavery. Didn't even have ancestors that did, right? All my, all my ancestors got kicked off of their land by Nazis. So um, I've never even looked sideways at a black dude in a hoodie my entire life because I dress like that too, <laughs> right? The point is, I've never f***ed that shit my entire life. And there's no amount of white girl, Robin D'Angelo, white fragility bullshit that'll convince me otherwise. And, and maybe ask yourselves, 
you race baiting asshats who will believe white liberal sell my white tears to justify my bullshit PhD in a book sales paycheck, Robin D'Angelo, over someone like Candace Owens. Hey, maybe am I the racist? Because you're the ones who believe some dumb white bitch over an empowered, free-thinking black woman based on nothing but the fact that Robin D'Angelo makes you feel all fluffy inside because your godless existence left you bereft of all cosmic meaning years ago, even though she's an opportunistic, race-baiting, false piety moron who happens to be dead wrong about everything. And she's white. You're falling for the white liberal media White academia and white political bullshit idiocy constantly being perpetuated by the left. And I wish you Godspeed. I, I hope you get the help you need. Because I love you and I hope you come around soon. Sorry if that's a lot of truth, but not really. <laughs> God bless. I'll see you on the Hamlock Podcast next week. Thank you so much everybody for listening to this week's hemlock podcast don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends and family tell them to subscribe because if you loved it then they're gonna love it too obviously also head on over to itunes to leave us a five-star rating and review that helps us a lot with the charts and if you're not gonna leave us five stars then forget about it don't worry about it and enjoy the rest of your day lastly head on over to the hemlockpodcast.locals.com to become a supporter and receive access to exclusive content and ad-free versions of the Hamlock podcast. Love you so much for listening. Let's continue to ride out this increasingly insane world with irreverence and joy. This is your host, Patrick Jolliker, and much love, y'all. Peace.